<laughs> Say something interesting. Good. Check, check, on our brown cow, quick brown salsa jump. What's the base? Rock and roll. Shall we? Are we doing this? Yeah. Yeah, here we go. What's going on, guys? This is Devin. I'm James. And we are here with a guest today. Surprise! It's our first first guest. guest. Hello, my name's Brent. Hi, Brent. How are you doing? <laughs> you introduced yourself like yes. a big boy. Heck yeah, heck yeah. You are... Don't beat yourself. <laughs> okay. You're doing okay. All right. Uh, this is Stick the Landing. Uh, we're a podcast about movies, uh, specifically the ends of movies, but also all the other parts of the movies. Do we talk about uh, if these movies that we've all heard of, but not everything, but if these movies are actually any good based on the ending of the movie, I think that's kind of the goal. Yeah. Movies, 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 movies. Right. This has been Stick the Landing, guys. <laughs> all right. Today, we're talking about a little film called Dunkirk, and it was a pleasure, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Dunkirk, and uh, this is, uh, I, I had Brent come on the show, because he's a uh, big old, big old Nolan, Nolan fan. My favorite. Number one. My favorite. Number one director for you. He absolutely is. I don't, uh, I don't blame you. He's a, he's a good boy. He does a good job. So, so, he's a handsome lad, and he's a good boy. I, uh, he's a kind soul. He makes smart movies. Wise spirit. Do you know him? Uh, no, but I write him. I write him letters uh, every week, and he's yet to respond. All right. All right. Well, Chris, if you're out there listening, you know, if you could just send Devin a letter, he's got real, real uh, self-esteem issues based on the fact that you've ignored him for a glass. It's hard to get out of bed every morning, but I do it. All right. Well, let's dive into the end. No pun intended. Let's dive in on this. This is a movie about people falling into the water. Yep. This is the first like historical. I would say so. I don't. I mean, obviously not including Inception. Also, Batman's true. That's real. But I think this is his first. It's not sci-fi. It's not. It's not really a John. It's just like a war movie. Yeah. And. I think one of the the end of this movie. This is probably the first. This is probably the first movie we've talked about um, on this podcast. Where I was like, I was like, yeah. well, fuck mm-hmm. yes. yeah, that's he done Kirk him, man. Yeah, it was freaking out of control. He did Dunkirk. It was very good. It was very good. Um, Brent, Brent, I think you were the first person to like for me because you probably saw this pretty early. Yeah, it, was it, was your, movie. it was your birthday. Happy birthday last year, last year. Yeah. for Dunkirk. You know, every year I get to choose one movie to go see, and I'm like, I gotta go. My favorite director put yeah. out a movie. I'm going to see that. Do you think that the uh, British uh, put all those troops there and then evacuated them so you could celebrate your birthday by seeing this movie? I'm not gonna rule it out. Seriously, birthday planning. You know, seventy years in the making. Thousands of men die. For me, for you, Brett. That's exciting. So, so. 
this is a weird one to talk about the ending because it's uh, classic. it's classic Christopher Nolan where the timeline going is back and forth, going back and know. forth, and you know, uh, this is weird. I can't keep going back and forth. Um, but um, the end, but it, the end of this movie kind of just is it's almost like a happy yeah, in a way, absolutely, sort of just kind of like oh we did it, and um, I think in a normal if if anyone else were to direct this movie it would have been mm-hmm. more bland, uh, but with him kind of mixing up three timelines and the air, the sea, and the land. By the time you get to the like last ten minutes, where everything's kind of coming to a head, and all those those three timelines are yeah. starting to sync up. Boy, oh boy, what a this movie. I mean, fun fundamentally, this movie's about you know four hundred thousand British troops who are, uh, you know, back to the sea, like gonna die, and Churchill's like, I think we can rescue thirty thousand of them. As we saw in the yes. Darkest Hour, which we've already established, um, there's a yes. shared universe here. Uh, Gary Oldman yeah. said yeah, that... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, and then later, uh, it segues right into Good Night. I think a couple of soldiers will okay. my back. Okay. okay, we're going to throw that. Which one? Harry Styles. Harry Styles. Oh. Harry Styles was saved. <laughs> Harry Styles was saved by Batman. You know what's going to be cool? Um, you know what's going to be cool? Harry Styles Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's my middle name, yeah, Rob. Like, yeah, that's gonna be sweet. Gonna be, oh, there it is. Sorry, JGL. Um, <laughs> uh, so this this movie ends with three hundred thousand of the troops being evacuated, like successfully. Yeah, like successful. against all odds, which is a crazy thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I didn't mean to, but yes. <laughs> yeah, they're hoping for deliverance. In all hope is lost. Uh, Really quick, how do you think? Uh, the opening crawl, you were into it, yeah. You were, I almost was into it until it until they put miracle. Like, all right, let's calm down. There was a bit of a wait, yeah. They like cut to like a a shot of like the soldiers and then cut back to the crawl to be like a miracle, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Chris. I call him Chris. Um, I call him Chris because we're close personal friends. He answers my letter. Don't Um, you know, I. I worked too hard to come here Sorry. to be patronized like this. You're right. I, I apologize big time. So, um, so, I mean, we can kind of dive into. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about because this is. I think Christopher Nolan, if if you're going to criticize him, um, he is one of the, those guys who I think people are very his movies. Mm-hmm. They're very cold. You know, you don't get. Uh, I think there are some movies that were. You don't get a lot of emotion out of them. Um, I think Interstellar was a big step forward for him because he was kind of dealing with like an actual family, um, and there were some good emotional scenes in that. But a lot of his movies are very cold, and precise, and there's not a lot of character or depth to these characters. I would say this one yes. in particular stands out. For yes, a lack I, of because I have got a little fun game. Sure, it's a short one. Love it's a short one. Oh, I want you to name me one character from Dunkirk. Alex, Tommy, character. Gibson. <laughs> Would you say Harry Styles? That's an actor. That's not oh, Tommy. Wait, oh, Tommy. Okay. Wait, was his name Tommy? Tommy. Gibson was the French one. Alex was. A, I was on the Wikipedia page. Oh, that, oh, that does not count. <laughs> they didn't. I think they said two of their names twice. Yeah. yeah the only character's name I know is George because of uh, Barry Keoghan, and I think there's a scene where Mark the War George. The War George, and I'm like it's George, and they showed George's name in the paper. They do so George's name in the paper. That is probably the only. That is probably the only like emotional arc in this movie is when he's just like dying and he's just I want to be in the newspaper and then 
his buddy's like, well, you put you in the newspaper, man. I'd be and like, then they publish the Washington Post with this. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you guys watched this movie, but I watched it the way Chris Nolan intended, which was on my phone in a McDonald's parking lot. And then in 10 minute increments throughout the rest of my work day today. <laughs> I have not yeah, seen this yeah, before. I would have seen it. I watched it in 70 millimeters, literally 70 millimeters on my phone. I was actually hanging out with Brent the day I saw this movie for the first time. Um, you and I had went and saw Planet of Fucking Apes. The Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, we went. No, yeah, we went. Tension, no release, no, almost at all. No, there's, it's, it's, it kind of reminded me of Mad Max, where like you sit down and the movie's like, okay, everyone buckle in. Uh, Richard well set. Yep. Uh, Richard wow. ten for the next two hours. And, like, who doesn't? It doesn't stop. stop. Like, it it's, really doesn't stop. Like, it was literally. I, I intentionally, I, I intentionally don't watch movies. I, I don't like to overplay movies. So I, the last time I'd seen this was at my birthday a couple years ago, and then I watched it again today. And it was, my heart was racing the entire time, just like it was, like oh, it's yeah. pulse pounding. And I think that, you know, Christopher Nolan, he nails yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's. If uh, nothing else. If nothing else. He is a very technical filmmaker. Yeah. And, I, and it seems like every year he's up for those visual effects and sound awards. Oh, and that's that's just always really well that's deserved. His, that's his bread and butter. Yeah. Like, he, I, I think more him than any other director, he nails sound and just what he can do with yeah. it. Yeah, I uh, I recall very vividly you posting about Dunkirk, and you you kind of at the end. I remember right at the end of your post, you were like, "Not you will have a heart attack," and I, at the age of twenty four, almost had a heart attack. So, before before I saw this, I read that he sent uh his own pocket watch to have the ticking recorded from it, which is that like ticking throughout the movie. That is true. Is that true? And when I heard that, I thought that's fucking annoying. But then I saw it and it was good. And I was like, okay, if one person can put their own yeah. pocket watch to the soundtrack of the movie, it can be Chris Nolan. Name another uh, Name another Wes Anderson. <laughs> he has 10. <laughs> um, so the bomb bombs in this movie are out of control. Thank you. Let's segue into. Oh my god. So let's segue into. I would like to talk about the score because I would like to talk about the score. Twenty-one nothing. Our last. That's the score. No, it's not that. That is a score. Zero for three at this point. Devin, you and I. But Devin, you and I are musicians. We have talked about this on post episode where we. I really, really think that the score 50. is like 50 yeah. of the importance for me. When I, I think it can do a lot to hurt or help the movie. Um, this is a Hans Zimmer score. Who mm-hmm. is, I think at this point, Chris Nolan's guy. Absolutely. You know, he's doing all these. I have completely decided to put my foot down and say that Interstellar is... All time movie. ever? It's wow. Amazing. It's a good I'm score. All time. Um, right. It's a great score. Um, great. 
Oliver Stone. That's my number one dog oh, right there. Man. Yeah, started oh. with his face. Um, so uh, <laughs> with this score, which is a it is strange. Score, um, it's real weird. And Bill Zimmer's kind of a weird composer because he not doesn't not. typically. He's not uh, traditional in his in his scores. He does a lot of stuff that's built around kind of telling the story for you almost through the music, um, as Williams. opposed to just kind of coming up with. Like John Williams is a very standard. Orchestra. Yeah. The big yeah. Orchestra. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Hans Zimmer. I don't know that I. I think I know what I'm getting with as far. He as, like, filled this movie with happened. sound because it's devoid of dialogue yes. and it's like powerful. Yes. Or, it, I, the score tells like half the story of this movie. Like, it's, I, it's, it's so, there's no melody. There's no, like, very little, like, actual song to his score. It's a lot of, like, weird ticking, like, crescendos and, like, weird strings, like, getting bizarre. It's really bizarre. And once again, I listened to it the way he intended, which was my hand cupped around the speaker of my phone so I could hear it over the sound of my car running. <laughs> Like a I'm living. I'm living under my car in a McDonald's parking lot right now. I don't have AC. It was very hot. I'm sweating. What happened? Just shoveling cheeseburgers into my dumb fucking face. <laughs> I don't know. Just the, the opening of the movie. It starts very. It's quiet. It's very quiet. There's bands. There's the flyers hanging. Oh, what a and good this, scene. And it's like this absence of sound. You don't for the first part of the movie. You don't know the name. And there's something so peaceful but strange being taken on to like this personal level of this main character. And he uses okay. it because of the sound. And oh. even, okay, mm. the mortars go off in the beginning oh. and they're slowly coming towards that's you. That's the money you shot. Feel like uh, it's shaking. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, uh, that's the money shot. He could have easily turned this into like a Michael Bay Pearl Harbor where it's like a nightmare of CGI explosions. And the mortars felt yeah, no. like tangible. Yeah, you could like see the dirt, like every grain. Yeah, um, and he keeps covering it. Like, oh, his turn's coming next. Like, I, yeah, you. Well, like I knew he wasn't gonna get blown right. up. To be fair, I, I did not know at, at the beginning of this movie. I was not sure who we were tracking because they're setting up a lot of moving pieces. So I was like, anyone can die at any moment. Yes. No, I was, um, yeah, exactly. And especially with that, mm-hmm. with the, when you were following the sea story. Because you don't know, you, at least with the sea story, you've got right. Mark Rylance, one of, the, one of the greatest. So like I know One of the greatest Marks or one of the greatest Rylances? Certainly the greatest. Sure. Well, certainly the greatest Rylance. Mark Wahlberg. Uh, might be my favorite. Uh, oh, no. Mark Morrison, who wrote Return of the Mac. <laughs> Okay, yeah, oh. top three. Um, but, and then when you're going through this, the Sky story. Wait, you mean um, the guy in the big fur Tom coat Hardy. with the Bane mask was Tom Hardy in this Chris Nolan movie? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. I think he even said a Bane line. Yeah, it was uh, nuts. Is it Tom Hardy? No, obviously. That doing, is a, doing a lot of eye acting. And doing is a he lot the best eye actor? He's the, yes. You I, could put him in an Iron Maiden and just see his eyes through the slit while he dies. Probably like gonna win an Oscar. I can tell he looks mad. From they should remake Man in the Iron Mask with him. No, he would be great in that movie because that's all eyes. You can't hear him that well. Face or anything. He loves doing that for some reason. But 
you, you kind of know those two actors, obviously, but uh, when, you, yeah, when you go back to the land story, you don't. I, I'll be honest, the first time I saw it, not to be. Uh, they got the most like, British faces yes. in the whole it's world, like, all of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pale white eyes. So they all look like, oh, those are British Greasy. boys at war. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I yeah. Beyond white, I think the, the lead actor in the movie is pretty no. good. He doesn't have any speaking lines, I don't think. He might say something like, oh, oh, He's oh like, no. He's like, no. I think he water. He probably was, yeah. yeah no. Not because he was in the water. He, there's a scene where he has a cup of like salt water. Like, oh, it's like Link in Zelda. He just yes, grunts yeah, and just, screams. You just the, <laughs> yes, you just, you just get to project yourself onto him. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I got you. I would join I that like band. That's the name of the band. I would listen to that band. So my question for you guys is, uh, I, Christopher Nolan did a great job on Dunkirk, but of the Dunkirks, which one do you like best? This one, or the Michael Keaton one, or the Val Kilmer one, or the Adam West TV series? Because the voice acting carried it. Kevin Conroy as uh, Joe Dunkirk in the animated series was unfathomable. It was. I can't stand you. The George Clooney one. Because it was funny. Had jokes. Gotta go Clooney. Right? They had on their little Alicia Silverstone was super good in it, and the Mark Rylance role. Can you go wrong with Crystal Dunn? If they had cast yeah, no, this movie and just done 300,000 CGI's Chris O'Donnell as all the soldiers, this would have won all the Oscars this year. <laughs> I, know, I, I feel like I can't live another day without seeing it. And Chris Nolan, if you're listening to this, I need you to make this. Dunkirk and Robin. Oh, good man. Collect a paycheck. You know what? Good for you, man. Thanks. That's a good poll. Good for you. LL Cool J and Chris O'Donnell. Just the, the dynamic duo. You know what? He's he's a good actor and he deserves work. And uh, tune in. <laughs> let's let's shift here. Let's talk all about that show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take a break. <laughs> Thank you.
Okay. Well, okay. We'll talk about it. You betcha. I'll bet you we are. We'll win that bet. Well, we'd both win because we both are betting that we're, we're still talking about it. We're still talking about Dunkirk. He didn't think we were. <coughs> Why do you talk about Dunkirk? Like, you can have my money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. All right. We'll give him PayPal. Uh, uh, so... I wanted, to, I wanted to touch real quickly on the acting in the movie. Um, I really uh, appreciated the fact that they kind of took the feminist approach with a lot of good women. <laughs> uh, there are, there are. How many women had speaking roles? Two. two? I looked at it. It's like two nurses. Nurse and stewardess. Oh, ah, uh, yes. A lot of female agency in this movie. So, in terms of the Bechdel test, does it pass? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that they still, yeah, they, they fly well, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's a this um, could not have been more British. <laughs> no. You know it's a British when I can barely think of them? No idea. There was dialogue. It was inconsequential. I don't think any of it mattered. But aside from Mark Rylander, those were both those guys. Like, even... Killian Murphy, who's just like uh, mumbling to himself in the boat. Um, yeah, yeah, no clue. Uh, but I, I did want to talk about Murphy for a minute. He was playing uh, Shivering Soldier. Dark Knight Scarecrow. Yes. <laughs> like damaged, no, broken, actually Shivering yeah. Soldier. He didn't have a name. That's him, my new uh, metal I'm record. Cool. Really, I really believe that he was shell game. Yeah. Oh my god. So like, there's a difference from PTSD and acting. That is current. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he, he killed in this movie. I um have seen most Killian Murphy movies, and I've never once been like, "Wow, Killian Murphy is my red eye, so red eye, red eye." Why are we bringing a red eye? Because he's great in that movie. That's a good. That's a great movie, and he's great in that movie. Very creepy. He gets stabbed in the throat with a pen. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, now that you mean, now that you um, but. This is probably the first time I was ever like, oh shit, like Killian Murphy's bringing it. Because like, he's doing a ton like of face him. acting on this. Act. I've never, I acknowledge that. I, I can acknowledge that he is a phenomenal actor. I've just never seen like, oh shit, this is a performance kind of from him. I was I devastated when he blinded and killed George. Yeah. That was what a hard thing to watch. devastating. And Barry Keoghan, who's our guy. At, um, he's, he's a great guy. <laughs> Uh, but he, uh, he, that scene where he falls down and he's kind of like squirming on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, is, that's not something that a human being does. Like they, uh, he obviously gets hurt. That's great. Right. Um, a little nitpick of mine because if you watch that, I don't have a lot of nitpicks. Okay. But if you look at that hit in slow mo, it didn't look like it looked aggressive. So I'm imagining he just really fell down the street and hit his head on. The I'm thinking that's what happened. Yeah. Okay. Is yeah. it because the elbow? Just I don't think he took a blow to the head. I don't know. And it, was, it was very fast. Hello, everyone. This has been Brent's Nitpick Corner on martial arts. Um, <laughs> come back next time for the Call Me By Your Name. The boat will drop. You're, You're a big guy. guy. You're like Keanu Reeves in, in height and look. <laughs> you look just like Keanu Reeves. Thank you. Well, um, That's high praise. Yeah. Look at him. Love Keanu. Yeah, he's great. So, so, yeah, there's a lot of good action. Um, it's all pretty understated. Mm-hmm. No, no one's really hamming it up. 
Dude, I thought Harry Styles was really good in this. Like in that yeah. bit where they're turning yeah. on the French soldier yeah. and they figure out he's French, he is scary. Yeah, so what a weird uh, role for the pop star to take for a movie. I feel like whenever you have some kind of singer, someone who's kind of an athlete, when they come in and they want to do a movie, you get them in like, well, like a little supporting role this comedy mm-hmm. or something like that. He's like, well, I think I'm going to do really fucking <laughs> bleak horror movie and not do this. He held it. Oh, yeah, it's I, so I, claustrophobic when they're in the boat. I didn't oh, notice him. Like, mm-hmm. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of tension. Um, yeah, Harry Styles. Uh, really good. Good, good, good job. Good yeah. job, bud. You're doing that. Yeah, you get the you're stuck going in the right when direction. Um, because we are currently using the Oscars as our compass. Mm-hmm. Uh, our North movie. Star. Um, is the North, this is the North Star. When you're driving this through the desert, North you look up into the sky and you look for the Oscars and you drive towards a golden Oscars up there. Drive right in. Um, this movie got eight Oscar nominations, um, but it only won three, so I'm going to call it an Oscar loser. That's what I'm Five time it. Oscar loser yeah, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Yep. How many Oscars did you win? I didn't mean to bring this up in front of everybody. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. So, yeah, just and talk about it off mic. Tell me we are happy that we're happy. This movie got eight noms. It, the ones that won were sound editing and sound mixing. Perfect. I don't know why they're sound mixing. I don't know what any of them mean. But it sounds great. I was relying on the sound. Let's Yeah, we're sound guys, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's, I'm going to wing it. Sound, sound, sound editing. You're out there, you make making sound. Sound mix is like, ooh, let me turn these sounds up and down. Right, yeah, I think the sound editing is the editing part, and the sound mixing is more of the mixing end of it. Did that clear up for you, right? Now, now I know. I was clearing up for you, James. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't do a good job. And then, and then also won a film editing award? That tracks. Which, which yeah, yeah, I think it makes sense. I mean, it, it's sort of. Low-hanging low hanging fruit to give the movie that does a lot of cool editing with the timeline. timeline the to be fair, though, I feel like this movie is uh, you. You could lose track of the story and the action in a movie with this little dialogue, and like keeping it cohesive is like yeah, it's minor. Yeah, yeah, because I this is not a quotable movie. There's not much story to it, but every time it kind of goes to the next arc, you're in. You, you know what's going on. I mean, even the scene collection, there's 11 scenes, but you, these are big chunks yeah. of the film that you're putting out there. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty well one. Yeah. I, uh, I, I didn't see Blade Runner, so I guess I can't speak, but Blade Runner won the Cinematography Awards. Oh, I was all on board with Dunkirk for the Cinematography Awards. This movie looks so... It does look really great. That, that beat like, was like the coolest thing ever. It was really weird. Well, it speaks volumes how it just that opening comment, that opening scene where he's running through the bullets and it's chaotic scene. Yeah. Then he gets to the beach and it's just this silent uh, kind of pan across the beach where 50% of the shot is the sky and the rest is the sand with groups of people stationed. It's, it's like no a, one's talking. It's, hunt, it's hunt. That's, that's, a, that's a good word, really haunting. It's a really cold looking beach. Like it just looks like what I want to be there. Well, I, I uh, think really quick. Really quick. Really quick, Devin, I want you to pick your favorite Dunkirk Beach. Atonement or Dunkirk? Atonement. Atonement. You got some fun stuff going on. Singing songs. I think 
Go right actually in that scene. Oh man. What a big question. It's the easy one. I'm going with Dunkirk. The movie's called Dunkirk. I think I gotta go with Atonement. Alright. It's a feeling in my bones. Alright. Alright. That's a weird thing to have. I think uh this movie was shot very well and i think the cinematography was excellent but i understand why the oscars would give it to blade runner because that's so stylized yeah yeah i gotta see it though really i gotta peep that one of my guys was jimmy's boys i put him in there um once you're in (laughs) once you're in i probably would change it next week and someone else take your spot did you guys hear they spotted Ryan Gosling at an American Nightmare show like eight years ago in in Boston? I think that like they no one was sure if it was him, but everyone who was at the show kept saying he was there. And then other people were like, I don't know if it was him, but Ryan Gosling might be an American. Really specific for people who like <laughs> Ryan Gos. Yeah. Stuck or suck. It sticks the landing, man. It's stuck. Totally sticks the landing. This movie's stuck. And I might even go as far as saying Yeah, fucked. This movie was fucked me up. I don't need to see it again for a while because the tension was so high. I'm still sticking. Yeah. Yeah. You from how much it's stuck. I got stuck. It's hey, you know what? You know what's the stickiest part of this movie? Uh, the jam on all that toast they eat yeah, in the big yeah, segment where they all eat good. toast in a boat. Yeah, <laughs> I've never wanted toast yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. Well, movie ends. Movie ends uh, with uh, Harry Styles. No, 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 no. Harry Styles. Yes. Um, and then it kind of just, it just ends, which is like pathetic. they a hundred percent could have fucking given this another white text crawl at the end. Dumb crawl. I didn't do it. I was so happy. Directed by Chris. Oof, it felt good. I was so worried it was going to be like, and the British went on to win the war with the Americans, and blah. Um, blah. Well, just like on the train, I remember the two things that really stood out for me. Like, first off, Tom Hardy flying the plane with no gas. Like, the dogfights are a standout, possibly the best film dogfight. I'm telling you. The way he was in the cockpit with him, mm-hmm. and, you know, Tom Hardy's eyebrows doing a just lot of work. work. I felt like they were <laughs> <laughs> There were actual bullets coming out of Tom Hardy's. But him taking out the final plane. That was my favorite. That was my favorite. That was my favorite. Yeah. Because of the three arcs, yeah. like, you know, the boys get back to the train. The boat makes it back. Obviously, Rylance, that whole arc. George is dead, but Not for the most part, like really save the day fucking torching his plane he's just a good he's just good at his fucking job I felt like he was gonna probably sacrifice himself cause of gas but no he was such a badass character he just walked away he's just yeah. I mean probably died in Terminator oh. I guess we'll find out in the, the sequel the sequel <laughs> um, but yeah no that I mean that scene where you see the plane like just no propeller just floating across the beach and everyone's cheering him on cause he just took out the best fuck yeah that's the best Fucking smoke. sound because there's no, no. sound going yep. on. Just silent. And even when his, um, you know, his co pilot or his other buddy pilot goes down, there's like a good, like, two minute shot where he's kind of looking. Yeah. And he just does a silent wave. Well, right. Tom Hardy could have ejected from the plane, but he would have crashed the plane onto the beach where all the guys were. 
Right. So he, they're all cheering him on, like knowing full well that he's like just gonna crash this yeah. plane, basically. Yeah, no, he's absolutely yep. Great job. And I love Danny Glover's Like that's, I was expecting it, and I was. Every movie should end with setting a plane on fire. They'd have to do it. Ooh, you might be on. Let's let's see what happens when we talk about movies, future movies. Okay. Anyway. Cool. Um. All right, well, I mean, I think that we kind of hit all the bases. We rounded the bases. It was a home run. It was a home run. Good job. Yeah. The, the last uh-huh. scene I wanted to hit on. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. The train. Mm. This is going back to his style. He was panicked, like he was going to be yeah. deserved. Yeah. Yes. And when you hear the clinking of the beer bottle from the guy. That was so satisfying. Thinking about yeah. It. It's, it's, I amend that. Every movie should end with a plane getting torched and a bunch of British boys drinking beer. We'll get to that point. That was a pleasure. So much for being on. That was a lot of fun. I had fun. Good. Well, next time we can make some movie. Memento too. Way. Thank you. Thank you. Listening, ladies and gentlemen. Godspeed. Makeup. <laughs> Don't call it. It's pretty good. <laughs>